The scripture comes from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 to 10. The Lord said, Go and tell this people, Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. That hymn that we just saw, I remember growing up and singing it almost every communion Sunday. Not paying attention to it, because I thought it was a communion hymn, right? Break the bread of life. And yet it is a hymn about the Word of God. And so appropriate to, to where I think the Lord's taking us today in this. I want to uh, take a moment to talk about the next few days. Many of you have asked me if I've been counting the days. And honestly, until last Sunday, I wasn't. I was still in the midst of doing every, jumping through every hoop that every person in the world throws before you before you're able to truly retire. But I left here uh, last Sunday, and uh, I wasn't grieving, but I was sad because of leaving. And uh, so I begun to count the days. Now, what that means is at the end of this month, you will be, you know, I'll be, I'll be going whatever that means, I'll be I'm retired. Um, and in the beginning of next month, you'll receive a new pastor. And again, I was in, in uh, email conversation with DJ this week, and I just, I can't think of a better person to, to follow me. And, and I know a lot of people in the, in the annual conference. He's just a great, great man, and I, and I pray a wonderful blessing of you. But the schedule that's coming up, uh, this is... One Sunday, I will be here next Sunday, the 20th. Then on the 26th, there is a retirement party that I know nothing about. I don't know how they're going to get me there because it's not, <laughs> anyway, so, but that's on the Saturday, the 26th. And then I've been back and forth and working with the leadership team on this, and really I've, I've decided, and they've been gracious with this, that I'm taking that last Sunday as a vacation day. Um, and so I will not be here for the 27th. And Marianne will be coming and sharing, and sharing a word which she's already had to preach before at her, ch- her other church, uh, where she had to do a transition between one pastor and another. And then, of course, the first Sunday in July, July 4th, uh, DJ, the Reverend DJ Troy, will be here uh, as your new pastor. So that's the schedule. It's coming up. And, uh, and so you can see that I'm kind of counting the days. It's... It's coming quickly. Anyway, um, won't go far further than that. I want to begin today, and this is kind of a serendipitous thing because uh, I was talking to uh, Barb Foster this week because she wanted to, and uh, Shara, just out of curiosity, do we have that kind of background slide for the sermon? And can you bring that up? Maybe, I don't know. I don't know if you'd have it. Okay. There, I, we were talking about a, a, a background slide for, for various things for this day, and, and Barb came up with something. But as we were talking, I, out of, it right popped into my head in the conversation, well, I, and I gave her this image 
that she could work with. And of course, in her wisdom, she did not use it. But in my lack of wisdom, I'm going to share it with you anyway. <laughs> the, it goes back to, you, gotta, you, you understand that, you know, I was born in 1954. That's why I'm retiring. I was born in 1954. And essentially, I, you know, as a kid, I remember the 60s. And, of course, what was huge back then was television and all of that, and we were television. And in the middle of the 60s, kind of appropriate for the age and the things that were happening in the world, there was a television show called Lost in Space. I don't know if you remember that. I don't, you know, I don't know. And we, uh, thank you, Judy. <laughs> Lost in Space. And it was an interesting show and everything. But the one, the one character in it was a robot, and if you remember the show, you remember that his name was Robot. <laughs> That's all they called him, Robot. He didn't have a name. Anyway, but Robot. And Robot, and, we, and as kids and in school, all these things became, became part, of our, part of our everyday conversation, like does not compute, does not compute. That was actually something Robot said does not compute, and we would use that in school because the teacher would say something, we go, does not compute, <laughs> does not compute. Anyway, but the other one that I remember him saying all the time, generally four or five times every show, danger, Will Robinson, danger, Will Robinson, danger, and off they'd go into the next adventure. Danger. I had, you know, I've actually been thinking about these Sundays, these last services for, for a while, over a year. And one of the passages that I'll talk about next week, uh, the, 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 the letter to Jude, the letter of Jude, um, and, and we'll look at that, uh, that letter. It, it's about danger. And it's one of those things that in the scriptures, especially in the Old Testament, when someone is parting, taking part. For example, Paul in Ephesus. He begins talking about, and in the letters that he writes, and in the others write, they talk about the dangers that are ahead, just in case they don't get back in touch with everybody. What can you expect? And so I've been thinking about this, and I, and I have these two Sundays here, today and next week. And I want to talk about the danger. And I want to begin by talking about the danger within for every one of us. The danger within. It doesn't really come from the outside. It's what we do. The danger. Now, to help you with that, I want to ask you to have a little bit of a trivial pursuit with you. I'm going to give you two sayings from the scriptures. The first one is an easy one, just to get you in. Who said this? Not my will, but thine. Very good. Okay, this one's a little bit harder. You might have to think about it. Who said this? Let it be done to me according to your word. Uh-uh. Let it be done to me according to your word. Very good, Mary, his mother. Okay, that's it. But I want you to remember those. Let it be done to me according to your word, and not my will but yours be done. So what is the danger that we have within? All of us carry this within. It's a temptation. And I want to define it the way Wesley defined it. We'll have a little bit of that. The danger of a religious spirit. 
Now, Wesley was clearly talking and over and over again, if you, if you have the time uh, and you have insomnia, I recommend Wes- Wesley as a great cure for insomnia. It's, it's wonderful. But if you have the time, read him because over and over again, he talks about true religion and what true godliness is. And for him, there is something that is not true, but it's a religious spirit. And so that's what I want us to talk about. I want to talk about it because in the, if you look at the Old Testament and New Testament, the Old Testament, what is the Old Testament about? Well, it's about God's triumph and faithfulness. You know that. And over and over again, his faithfulness and the covenant faithfulness and the triumph that he has and all of that. And, and there are some really good people there and there's some really horrible things there. But overall, the other part of the Old Testament is about our humanity's failure and faithlessness. And when you read it and you continue to read it and over and over again, you hear this, a variation of this. And I took this, the long way around, that Anne read it for us from Isaiah 6. Be ever hearing, never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people callous, make their eyes dull, close their eyes, otherwise they will see with their ears, hear with their ears, see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. And God, over and over again, comes back to the people of Israel, his covenant people, and confirms their stubbornness, their rebelliousness, um, just this, this unwillingness to be repentant and turn to the ways of the Lord. And that whole stubbornness and rebellious, that whole thing that's based on pride, is something that Wesley defines as that's the religious spirit. Let me put it in a way that 20th century, 21st century I've got this. I'll take it from here. You ever hear that? You ever go to some work with somebody and, you know, like, like your, your children, <laughs> and you raise them up, and finally they look and say, I got this, I got this. I'll take it from here. Now, when you put that into the things of God, that becomes a religious spirit. You have seen that. You've experienced that pretty much all your life because you've seen what's been happening in the denominations, even these huge Protestant denominations. We've seen it in all the other denominations where religious spirit has gotten in and and the people and either the people in power or the people of the pews or individual by individual decides, I've got this, I understand what it's about, I'll take it from here. And from that moment on, they're going to work out their own salvation. It comes up, it's Acts 28, and this is, this is the passage that I really got that from. Acts 28, it's an interesting passage that you know that's the last chapter in the book of Acts. And it ends, if you look at it as spiritual warfare, it ends with one final battle fought between Paul and the Jews about this new thing about Jesus, about the Messiah. And back and forth. And in that time, when he's, they, Paul is meeting with them, he's, he's in Rome, 
So they haven't met him before. They have no news of one, but they're interested in finding out about this Christian thing that's going on. And so Paul spends an, just time, this load of time talking to them, persuading them from the law of Moses and from the prophets from morning till evening, a whole day. Some were persuaded. But here's what the scripture says after that. But others would not believe. That's the critical part. And when they disagreed with one another, Paul left one parting message. This is what he said. The Holy Spirit rightly spoke through Isaiah the prophet to your fathers. And then he quotes Isaiah, Isaiah 6. You will keep on hearing, you will not understand. You will keep on singing, you will not perceive. For the hearts of this people have become dull. And with their ears they hardly hear, and they have closed their ears, their, their eyes. Otherwise they might see and hear and understand and return. So even back then, this moment, as Paul in this final battle, there's this element that talking to people, something gets tempted in them to just not believe the truth when they hear it. And for Paul, it wasn't a reliance that just because he's saying it, it's, it's because it was true. And because it was true, there had to be something going on with them. And that was the temptation, to hear truth and just shut it down. I'm not going to listen to this. I'm not going to respond to this. You see, the same thing sort of happened, and I mentioned this in, when Paul, earlier in Acts, Acts chapter 20, when Paul is passing by Ephesus and agrees to meet with, with the leaders over there, and so he has one parting caution for them as, 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 they're, as they're on there. And in verse 20, uh, 28 of chapter 20, he says to them, be on your guard. Be careful, be on your guard. I know that after my departure, there will be wolves coming in among you. Not coming in from around you, but coming in among you. Not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. These are those people that are coming in this religious spirit, deciding things that are for your good about God, that really God is not saying. And then he goes again, therefore be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years I didn't cease to admonish everyone with tears, and now I entrust you to God. It's a theme as well in, in, in Paul's letter to the Romans. If you look at the 10th and 11th chapter of Romans, which it, 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 if you follow Romans, there's so many good things and so many horrible things. in the and, and so Paul goes up and down, down to the pits of our depravity and up to the, the greatness of God's uh, faith in God and all of us, and down and up and down and up and down. And you get to Romans 8, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay, and we're, we're at the pinnacle. And it ends with, I, I am convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not death, not life, okay? It's, it's the pinnacle. And then he goes into ch chapters 9, 10, 11. And you wonder why 9, 10, and 11. 
When Romans 10, Paul talks about, and he's talking partly to Jews and partly to Gentiles. And when he talks to, when he talks to the Gentiles about the, Jew, the Jews, he says this. They have a zeal for God, but not knowledge. Not in accordance to knowledge. For not knowing about God's righteousness and, and, and it's seeking to establish their own righteousness, and there it is. Not knowing what God calls us to, but seeking to establish their own righteousness. Goes on a little bit later. They didn't all heed the good news. Sad. And then he gets this one moment. It's in verse 21 of Romans chapter, chapter, chapter 10. Where he quotes what God is saying about Israel. I've spread out my hands all day long to a disobedient and obstinate people. That's the temptation. It's a temptation we all face. It's out there. It's a danger. Because, well, what, what do we do with that? By the way, that's from Isaiah 65, verse 2, if you want to track it. The next chapter, Romans 11, he's reminding the Gentiles, after, after, after exposing the Jews, he's reminding the Gentiles that, you know what, you stand by faith also. Right? So don't be conceited. Oh, what's that about? A little bit later, verse 25. So that you will not be wise in your own estimation. That's the point. Getting to this place where all of a sudden I've gotten this, so I'll take, yeah, I've got it. I've got salvation. You've saved me. I'm born again. I'll take it from here. That's the point. And that's a temptation we don't want to step into. It comes to fruition in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. Realize this. In the last days, and we're coming, we're, if we're not in the last days, and we're coming up on them, and I, we're on the express train to them. In the last days, difficult times will come. People will be lovers of self, that sounds familiar, lovers of money, that sounds familiar, boastful, arrogant, slanderers, disobedient to parents. I always wondered why that one got in there, but it's, it's, it's in the Bible, okay. Ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And then the, then the, the, topping, the, 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 the topping of this mixture that he's put together, holding to a form of godliness, holding to a form of religion, although they deny its power. They hold to something, and many times it's based on what is scripturally true. But they've taken it to another place. They've taken it. I've got, I've got it. I'll take it from here. 
It's very curious to me that Wesley, about four years before he died, writes an article for the Arminian magazine, and it's about Methodism. And he talks about, begins it right off the bat, I'm not afraid that the people called Methodists should ever cease to exist. I'm not afraid if they cease to exist. But I am, I am afraid lest they should only exist as a dead sect, having the form of religion without the power. This is greatest fear. Within a generation, the Methodist church was on that track. A form of godliness, a form of religion lacking the power. By the time the 20th century rolls around, by the time the, the late 20th century, when the, United, when the Methodist Church is joining with the United uh, Evangelical, Bre- the Evangelical Brethren Church, all of that, what we have here in the denomination was more and more like a form of godliness without the power. And why? Because the people in the church got together not necessarily the people in the pew, but the people in the pulpit, the people in the administration. And they were confident that they got this. And even though the gospel message changed and and got added to and, and got modified, and in fact we began to hear that the things that we claim in the Apostles' Creed are not true. And so there's a generation of preachers I know in our conference, the generation just ahead of me, who could look you in the eye and say, I don't know if it was a virgin birth. They could spend 40 years preaching and they can say, I don't know if Jesus really was resurrected from the dead. See, there's something wrong there because someone stood up and said, I've got this. And they became, and we became wise in our own estimation. Let me tell you about a temptation I face, and I do, with every ounce of my being. You've probably heard I'm going to retire July 1st, right? (laughs) So what's the temptation? What do I hear in my brain? Walter? Time to take your ease. (laughs) Sit back, relax, enjoy. Well, you know, that's not a bad thing. I don't think that's a bad thing. But what about when it creeps into my devotion? What about when it creeps into what God's still trying to get done in my life? I can coast to the end. I can get across the finish line, make it to that moment, get into heaven, and I'm good to go. It's a temptation. It's a temptation to say, I got it now. I'll take it from here, God. See you at the pearly gates. It's a temptation. This is the religious spirit. This is, this is that thing that, and you've seen it. You have lived through it. And it's the one thing I'm asking you to consider Don't step into it. Don't shrink back. 
Step into God's future. We have that word repentance, okay? Repentance involves making sure that you continue on the track. I would appreciate your prayers for me. Yeah, I kind of would like to take some ease. But you know what? It it would not be good for me at all. It certainly wouldn't be good for Terry. (laughs) If in that taking my ease, I take a, a, a breather. I don't know what that means just yet. This is the moment that my prayer, and I'm asking you to pray for for me, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. I don't really feel wise in my own estimation, but I'm afraid I'll step into that. It's a possibility. I'd rather say to him now, Lord, let it be done to me according to your word. All of us have this responsibility. That's why God has given us gracious gifts of discipline. Worship is a discipline, you being here. And worship is not a spectator sport. This is, this is about you and me engaging in worship so that even if we're not fond of our own voice, we are finding a way to express the truth and agree with the truth, saying the amen. Prayer is part of our discipline. And prayer isn't just bringing by, okay, this person's this and this and this and this, I got all that. Prayer is spending time communicating with our Father in heaven through the Holy Spirit. It's time talking with the Holy Spirit through the Holy Spirit. Accountability is part of our discipline. Getting together with others who will encourage us and say, water, You're taking too much of the ease. So who's going to walk with me in that accountability? Service, ministry changes because there are things we cannot do, things that I'm finding out I cannot do like I used to be able to do. But we don't retire from ministry. We don't retire from service. It just changes the nation and and the nature of it. And even if we into that place where we're disabled, we're unable to do that, there's still something that we can do for others and for ourselves. And then there's the two great gifts, and I'm going to deal with the first gift here today. Talk about the second gift next week. The second gift is the gift of the Holy Spirit in us. Huge thing. The world, everybody else in the world does not have that until they receive Christ as their Savior. But the Spirit is in us, and so that's a gift to take care of. The other gift we have is the Word of God. That's why so much emphasis today on break thou the Word of God, the Word of life. The Word of life. How do you handle the word of life? What do you do with the word of life? Are you immersing yourself in the word of life? I'm a firm believer in this. I think it's what God meant. It's interesting because obviously printing didn't come around till old Gutenberg, all of that. And the, the cost of putting together scrolls in our homes, we wouldn't, had, we wouldn't have had the scrolls, we wouldn't have been able to afford it. So word of God meant that when you were to the synagogue or to the other places, you were taught and you even memorized the scripture and the scripture was re- with you. We have the vantage now of so many copies of the Bible. But how much time do you spend in the scriptures? 
Because in the scriptures we know is life. And we've sung about their, their effectiveness in us to change us uh, and, and how they restore us and how they cor- and correct us. And it is the truth. And when we are listening to all the voices out there that are lies, this is what locks us into what is truth. How much time do we spend in the Word? I've, I've come to recognize, and I didn't start here, I had a goal, and it's about 30 years ago, not 40 years ago, but a goal 30 years ago, that I would spend at least 15 minutes a day in the Word of God, just reading. I'm not talking about study, just reading. I made that goal, and I've surpassed that goal. And where I am now, it feels so right to me, because when I come out of that time that I've spent just in the Word, it's just so refreshing and so reinvigorating. That'll keep you from the temptation to tell God, I've got it, I'll take it from here. Second one is study. Study to show yourself approved. Well, study the Word. Do that with others. But you've got to know the Word. You've got to be there. You've got to be able to recognize it when you come, begin to sing it in the hymns that we bring forward. One of the things that we don't talk too much about in the church is who's going to be responsible? Who's going to be responsible at the day that Jesus comes back. Because we do, he come, he's coming back to judge the living and the dead. Okay, Who's going to be responsible? Well, as a pastor, I've had to live with the fact that, you know, there's, there's a, the responsibility that I'm going to be held accountable for that you won't have. But I'm still not responsible for you. I have an initial responsibility, which is the same as your responsibility. My spiritual well-being, what I do with temptation, it's my responsibility. I have a responsibility to break the, 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 the scriptures in front of you. you know, that's, that's, and if I tell you a lie, man, a lie, that's just wrong in so many ways, and I'll be held accountable for that. I try to avoid that. I try to give you the best that I have. That's not what's out there in the world. It's not what's out there in many of the churches. But ultimately, each one of you, so I'm just going to borrow a couple phrases from Paul. The first, Acts 20. Be on your guard. Be on alert. Step on up. You can do it. You don't have to be a Bible scholar the first week or the second week. But 20 years down the road, spending daily immersing your life in the Word, 20 years down the road, you're going to be in great shape. And I pray that you're, you may not want to be 20, minutes, 20 years down the road, but I pray that you are. The second one comes from Paul again. 
Remember I mentioned Romans 10 and 11, talking about this religious spirit, first the Jews and then the Gentiles, and warning against. This is the most amazing thing about Romans 10 and 11. They are the last two chapters before Romans 12, beginning with just the first verse. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then it goes on. That's the culmination. That's where Paul was taking us. That's the whole point of everything that went before. The whole point of the, the marvelous stuff. And then that's it. That's our life. That's your life. That's what God's doing in you. That's God's what enabling you to do. Okay. Be on guard. Time to step up. Time to lay down. I've got this. I'll take care of it. And simply say, Lord, not my will, but yours. Let's pray. Father, for all of us, on behalf of all of us, I'm going to be bold and say, Lord, we receive this word. Not my will be done, but yours in my life, in our lives. Make it so. Turn our hearts to that, and then whatever we need to do, help us to work that out with you, calling us into this marvelous future, trusting in your grace and your love. In Jesus' name, amen.